Welcome to Quirky, Creepy, and Freaky, a podcast where we talk about some wonky animal facts. I'm your host, Olivia, and each episode I will share with you a different weird fact from the animal kingdom. For episode one, we'll start with an organism that you've probably never heard of before, but are the only animals that not only have the ability to reverse their blood flow, but they can also switch up the flow every couple of minutes. So we are talking about ascidians, or as they are affectionately referred to, sea squirts. Ascidians are marine invertebrates that live in shallow marine waters on solid substrates. So this would be things like rocks, dock pilings, or even ship hulls. They are benthic organisms, so this means as adults, they don't move from the surface or substrate they are attached to at all. For any sort of species spread and dispersal, they rely on their larvae, which are planktonic, and move on the currents before finding a place to settle down. Interestingly, ascidians are chordates like us, so even though they may look more like sponges or sometimes even corals, they're much more closely related to us than they are to either sponges or corals. While other chordates are mostly vertebrates, having bones is not one of the five requirements to be included with the chordates. Ascidians do actually have all five chordate characteristics as larvae, which makes them one of only a few groups of invertebrate chordates. There are over 3,000 species of ascidians currently classified, and there are definitely more species out there to be described. There may be some that we haven't even seen yet, but there are likely others that can only be distinguished as a new species using DNA evidence. This is an incredibly diverse group of organisms in shapes, colors, and even general life habits. There are three primary body plans, with the first being colonial species, This is where we have multiple living animals, called zooids, living within a common protective outer tunic. Social species are a subset of colonials, where the zooids all have their own individual tunics, but they're all connected to each other at the base, so they're all still grouped together in their own little cluster. Finally, we have solitary species, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's when we have an individual zooid living with its own individual tunic. Colonial species tend to grow pretty flat against the surface, so even though individuals may only be a few millimeters tall, the colony itself may actually spread several inches wide and have a pretty big diameter. Solitary species grow much larger, or at least much taller, with some species growing to 6 or 7 centimeters, or about 2 to 3 inches tall. Ascidians are filter feeders for the most part, filtering plankton from the water as they float by using their two siphons to create a water flow in and out of the organism. Of course, there are always exceptions because this is the animal kingdom. There are deep sea species of ascidians that have evolved to be carnivores by adapting their incurrent siphon to be a net they can use to trap shrimp as they float by. So these guys might actually be a later episode, so keep an eye out for that. So now that we have an idea of what sea squirts are, let's talk about their hearts. They have a closed circulatory system complete with heart, but their heart structure is very different from ours. Their heart is essentially a tube. It doesn't have any valves or chambers like ours, but it does have a bit of a central line to distinguish the two halves. When the heart beats, it constricts by twisting along the length of the tube, and once the twist gets to the end, a new twist forms back at the beginning. To control the beat, they do have pacemakers, much like our own hearts, but instead of only having one, they have two pacemakers, one on each end, and that's what enables them to reverse their blood flow. 
Their hearts reverse flow every few minutes or after a certain number of heartbeats, and it seems to be that number of heartbeats that is critical in deciding when their blood flow is going to reverse. Uh, one species, Corella inflata, is pretty regulated. It switches beats every 180 minutes, which typically happens in about four minutes in normal conditions. There are some species that have been studied that seem to have a preferred direction to their flow. For example, one species, Ascidia serotoides, will have 91 beats in one direction before switching flow, but will then only have 59 beats in that other direction before switching back. So what makes this ability particularly interesting, or one might even say quirky, is that we don't have an accepted explanation as to why this is happening or what exactly is triggering the switch. So far, it seems to be a thing that they just kind of do. Uh, they might just be sitting there, chilling on their little rock on the ocean floor, thinking, oh, I'm a little bit bored, haven't really done much today, can't really go anywhere. Might as well switch up my blood flow. There are several theories out there to explain the how and the why. Um, they all sort of have their exceptions, so it's difficult to tie up the theory with a nice little bow and say that, yes, this is it. But we do have, there are theories out there. As far as the why, it is possible that it could be because nutrients aren't being distributed evenly throughout the Ascidian's body, with tissues in the second half of the circulatory system not getting enough nutrients. If this were happening, then reversing the blood flow would help with a more even distribution of both nutrients and oxygen. So while this does make sense as an explanation, it's nice and intuitive. Um, there have been studies showing that the blood flow is pretty sufficient throughout the entire organism. It doesn't really seem to be lacking. This indicates that an even distribution of nutrients, or indicates that there is an even distribution of nutrients and oxygen. So it's likely that this isn't what... So it's entirely possible that this is not the explanation for why this is happening. And with that being the, as far as I could see, the most proposed explanation, we're back to the drawing board as far as the why it's happening. There are some environmental factors that affect heart rate and reversal frequency, so it can have some effect on physiology here. Salinity is in either extreme, so either too low or too high, can cause the heart rate and reversal rate to fluctuate from normal. In some cases, this can mean that both just decrease, but in other cases, for example, when the salinity is too high, it seems to just make the heart rate and reversal rate kind of random. Higher temperatures um, also increase the heart rate, which then increases the reversal rate because you're having the your 91 heartbeats in a much shorter frequency of time, so it increases that reversal rate. So what could be that trigger for the heart to switch blood flow? There have been a few theories proposed in the literature, with some being more likely than others to be explaining what's going on. So we'll start with the least supported theory first. So that one is the pacemaker fatigue theory. This one says that when that one side of the heart beats until it gets too tired to go on anymore, and then the other side beats while it rests. So this is an interesting possibility, but this would suggest that when the heart rate decreases, the pacemaker wouldn't get tired as fast, so it would be able to have more beats before it switches. The reversals happen at a pretty regulated number of beats regardless of heart rate, so this theory is likely not the descriptor of what's going on. The second theory does have some evidence to support it. It is the pacemaker competition theory. 
This theory states that the two pacemakers are in competition, and the reversal happens when one end overpowers the other by beating with a higher frequency. So this was actually proposed in a study where they were able to observe that the reversal was occasionally happening without a decrease in heart rate before the reversal, which would suggest that the two pacemakers were beating at the same time. So this would also suggest that occasionally the heart would be beating from both directions at the same time until one pacemaker was taken over. So while there have been some observations to support this theory, this phenomenon is pretty rare. It's unlikely that you're going to see a switch in direction without a decrease in heart rate. So this is definitely not what's happening in most cases, but this is at least something that is happening. So far, it seems that the most supported theory is the back pressure theory. And this states that as the heart beats, the blood pressure decreases in the arterial direction where the blood is going away from the heart and then decreases on the venous side, which is where the blood is returning to the heart. So that decreasing pressure on the venous side causes the pacemaker to slow down because it has trouble competing with that um, pressure differential and it eventually stops beating and then the other side takes over since it can't compete with that high pressure on the side going away from the heart. So there is a little bit of evidence to go against this theory and what sounded to me like a really odd side experiment that was inspired by the accidental stabbing of an individual sea squirt in this one study by Panek, um, blood loss did not affect any preference in directionality. Um, even though blood loss would cause that decrease in blood pressure. Um, so to go into this, in that study by Panek, uh, one of the species they were looking at was Clavulina huntsmani. This species has a clear enough tunic that its heart can be observed without removing the tunic, which was necessary in some of the other species included in the study. So it's unclear to me why a scalpel was being brandished by the around the clavulina where a stabbing would happen on accident. Um, so it's entirely possible that this was weirdly planned, but the way the paper reads, reads to me, it really sounds like it was an accident, an accidental um, slip of the scalpel. Uh, they stabbed an individual and started bleeding. They're like, oh no! And then uh, they decided to explore this further. So with these injury Injury studies, as they became named in the paper, they stabbed more individuals to induce bleeding. So after the unfortunate first ascidium that was accidentally taken out, um, the other species were, or the other individuals were numbed and paralyzed, so they weren't at least aware of what was going on. Um, they did find that the heart rate stayed the same despite their severe bleeding. The reversal frequency did increase, but there weren't any differences in directionality preference. So this provides some evidence to disprove the back pressure theory since it contradicts the idea that the um, preferred differential is for sure what is that's causing the pacemakers to switch. But the vast majority of the other evidence out there seems to support this theory. So this could just be one of those exception to the rule sorts of things. Um, so now if we're going to go into personal speculations, it is entirely possible that the reason that ascidians reverse their blood flow 
is that it's some sort of trait left over from an ancestral trait or problem that disappeared through evolutionary time and now it's just some vestigial. There are several structures and traits within the human body that are vestigial structures, the appendix and wisdom teeth being two that the vast majority of us are pretty familiar with. So we do still have these structures, but the problem that evolution was solving by giving us these structures doesn't really exist anymore. With our wisdom teeth, our, it's to the point where our jaws are actually starting to become too small to support, the, um, to support us having wisdom teeth. But since most of us, or which is why since most of us that have our wisdom teeth end up needing to get them removed because they can't grow in and develop properly. So it's quite possible that a similar sort of thing is going on with Ascidian hearts. There could have been a time when reversing your blood flow was super helpful and super beneficial, um, but now it's since it isn't a harmful trait, it doesn't seem to hurt them at all. Um, it has not disappeared through evolutionary time, so it's just continued to be something that they do. Um, again, this is purely speculation on my part. There aren't recently a whole lot of studies out there trying to work out why this is happening, and I definitely didn't run into any through evolutionary time. So going forward, there should be some more studies trying to work out what is going on, why this is happening, and how this is happening to see if we can confirm some of these theories. Maybe one day we'll sort out this mystery, but for now, it gets to stay a bit of a sea squirt secret. Thank you for joining me on my first episode. Stay tuned for the next episode being released next week. If you have a favorite creepy, quirky, or freaky animal fact, send them in at quirkycreepyfreakypod at gmail.com, and it may be featured in a future episode. We'll see you next time. Audio editing and recording done by me, Olivia Streit. Intro music created by Kaylee Streit. Check out her YouTube channel if you would like to see some of her cello project series, and I believe she has some more projects in the works, so stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening!